0: I was talking with one of my pastor friends, we were having lunch together, and uh, about how, you know, sometimes we do things in the church and some people really like it and other people really don't, and uh, how people respond so differently at times to things. And he looked at me and said, you know, it's just all a matter of perspective. How you choose to view something, how you choose to react to it, to respond to it, It's perspective. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought he's absolutely right. How we see things determines how we react to things. And it can make a world of difference in our life. You know, this situation that Sue and I are going through, we have decided that our perspective is going to be to find God's blessing every day in the midst of what we're going through. Other people might choose to say, yeah, but you still got cancer. Yeah, but you're still sick. You're still going to have to do treatments and surgeries and things. And they could take a negative view of it. But we choose not to do that. We choose to see that every day God's hand is at work in our lives. And to thank Him for those blessings. And it makes all the difference in the world. In our attitude. and our ability to cope with it. So I wanna talk to you a little bit this morning about perspective, especially the perspective we have with regard to our relationship with the Lord. And I know this is kind of an abstract thing and it might be a little hard to get a handle on. So to to give you an example of how perspective works, let's take the event that's happening today, the Indy 500 race. In just about two hours, 33 race car drivers will be starting their engines and taking off in the 500. How you perceive that event depends upon the perspective you have. So let me give you some differing perspectives on the race. If you're an Indiana native, if you're like me, you were, you were, you know, raised here your whole life in Indiana then we've been told it's the greatest spectacle in racing I've heard that since I was a small child the Indy 500 is the greatest spectacle in racing now that's our perspective if you're a NASCAR fan you probably think the Daytona 500 in Florida is the the greatest spectacle in racing if you're a formula one fan you might think the monaco grand prix over in europe is the greatest spectacle in racing so it just depends on your perspective but we're hoosiers and for us the indy 500 is the greatest race in the world let's say you're an economist you're concerned with dollars and cents The Indy 500 is extremely expensive. Millions and millions of dollars are being spent in order for this race to take place today. But it also reaps huge profits. They're expecting a crowd of 300,000 plus down at the track today. And by the time you have all the tickets that are bought, all the concessions that are sold, there's big money in this race. That's how an economist might look at it. If you're a pastor, it brings about a disruption of our schedule. (laughs) We normally have three worship services. We normally have, we average about 200 people or so in those worship services. Today, we have one. And probably less than half of the people that we would normally have. I know some... uh, churches down in speedway that are within proximity of the track they just close all together they don't even have services today because of the traffic and it's just too difficult to try to get people to church so if you're a pastor having the race on sunday is a problem i grew up with it being on monday do you remember that the race used to be on memorial day on monday and they decided they needed to move it to sunday I remember when they first did that, for the first five years, I prayed every year it would rain. I said, Lord, we need to send a message. We need to let them know we don't like this and they'll put it back on Monday or move it ahead to Saturday. I don't care. But it's still on Sunday, so I've had to learn to live with it. If you're a Speedway resident Anybody here live in Speedway any time in your life? There was about a five-year period when I was a smaller child that we lived in Speedway about a mile from the racetrack. And the month of May was a huge pain. <laughs> I mean, the traffic, the crowds, all the stores were crowded. Uh... The crime, the crime rate would go up considerably in the month of May if you lived in Speedway. All the trash <laughs> when the race was over, it's just like someone had put off a litter bomb in the middle of the town and there was just trash everywhere. So if you're a Speedway resident, your perspective is not quite so good about what this race brings. And say you're a very practical person someone who looks at things based upon practicality you might see the race as just a huge waste of time and money I mean think about it for a moment millions of dollars are going to be spent so that 33 cars can burn up thousands of gallons of fuel and go through countless sets of tires in order to spend three hours traveling 500 miles so you can end up exactly where you start. Does that really make any sense? It's a 500-mile race to nowhere. (laughs) I did a message one time called Going Nowhere on a Fast Track because that's what the 500 is. You start right here. Three hours later, you end right here. So from a practical perspective, it's a waste of time. You don't accomplish anything. It's all a matter of perspective. I hope you can get a handle on that now. And it's it's very true of our faith. And the Apostle Paul helps us to have a, a proper perspective on our faith. I found a little verse, little because it doesn't have a whole lot of words, and actually, only half the verse. In Acts seventeen twenty-eight, The Apostle Paul happened to be in Greece. He was in the city of Athens. And Athens was known for people who loved philosophy and new ideas. They loved debating and discussing and arguing about ideas and perspectives. <laughs> and in the midst of this group of people the apostle Paul wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and at one point he he said this to them he was talking about what Christ means to us and he said for in him we live and move and have our being for in him we live and move and have our being There are three key aspects in that little statement of the perspective we need to have on our lives. Let's break it down. In Him we live. Do you realize that you are alive because of God? That your very life is in the hands of God? You may have gotten here because of a relationship between your parents. But it was God who created the world in which we live. It's God who sustains this world. It's God who created humanity in such a way that we can produce life. And so ultimately, my existence in this world, I owe it to God. In Him, I live. In Psalm 139, David wrote, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to have that perspective on your life. The reason so many people are struggling with self-esteem and, and, and self-worth are because they're not sure they're worth anything. They wonder what the value of their life truly is. And if you understand that in Him you live, that your life belongs to God, then it, it is inherently valuable and meaningful. Because God doesn't create things that have no value or meaning. And if He created you, you find your value in Him. You know, we live in a society that wants us to think that human life basically doesn't have a lot of value. If you conceive a baby and you don't want it, you can throw it away. That life has no no value. Our children are being taught in schools that they are the uh, the, the product of random chance and circumstance through evolution. There's no inherent value in your life. You're an accident you're just here because certain cells kinda got together and mutated and they turned into people there's no value in that and no wonder so many of our young people are taking their lives and struggling with meaning and purpose because it's like my life doesn't seem to matter but it does because you were made by God in Him I live. That's an important perspective to hold on to. Not only was I made by God, but Paul goes on to say, I was made for God. In Him I live and move. That means that your life, what happens in your life, is also in the hands of God. You were made for a purpose. Psalm 139 we read that earlier I'm going to go on with it it says all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be in other words God has a plan for you I have this little book I carry the the younger pastors make fun of me because I carry this book they all put everything on their phone you know they keep their calendar on their phone they keep their appointments on their phone everything's on their phone and I always laugh because there's usually one of them that says, Let me check my schedule, and their phone died. And I said, So you don't know what you're supposed to do, do you? No. <laughs> you don't know if you're supposed to be somewhere today, do you? No. I do. I don't need a battery, I just need to flip a page. So I'm kind of old fashioned about it, but my days are in this book at least the days for this year. And I know what's important. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what's going on in my family because it's written in this book. So this is very important to me. I, last year, I lost my little book for three days. I sat in a corner and did this. Because like, I didn't know what to do. I know I'm supposed to do something, go somewhere, see somebody, but I don't know because I lost my book. that's what it means when it says God recorded every day of your life in his book it means he has a purpose for you he has a plan your life has meaning and significance because he created it in him we move let me pull out something here my grandkids got all excited last week because they got one of these You know what this is? A fidget spinner. I marveled at this thing. You know what this cost? It's a piece of metal with three weights and a little ball bearing thing in the middle. This cost me eight bucks. Some of them are ten. Ollie's was selling them Friday for $3.99. Just so you know. But this is the thing, it's supposed to be designed for people that have trouble paying attention, concentrating, it gives you something physical to do, so that it frees your mind to focus on other things. And suddenly, every child in Elwood Elementary School has trouble focusing, (laughs) because everywhere you go, you see kids. They're all fidgeting, even if they never fidgeted before. They are now fidgeting. I got to admit, I'm feeling pretty good just doing this while I'm talking to you. You know, it's kind of nice. But see, it's a matter of perspective. When you look at this, you see a, a thing that kids are going crazy over and cost too much. And probably in a week or two after they get it, they get bored with it and they throw it down and probably won't fidget anymore. But when I look at this, I see an illustration of what Paul is saying. In him we move. What makes this thing work is that it is centered and balanced. All these little weights out here balance it so that it spins upon the center here. when Paul says in him we move he's saying think of this center as Christ and if you want to live your life the way your life was created to be lived you're going to be just like this fidget spinner everything is going to revolve around him and the more we keep him in the center the more balanced our life will be the more productive our life will be the more meaningful and significant our life will be and we will leave a lasting legacy of faith for others to follow but what happens is we tend to get off-center what if I hold the fidget spinner out here see I I can't spin I can go this way and I can go this way but it's one-sided and that's what happens in our lives if we don't remember if we don't realize that in him we move we get over here we get off of Christ we kind of push him to the side and say, I want to put some other things in the center of my life. I want to put my own self-interest. I want to put my own desires. And and it doesn't work. doesn't spin anymore. We're not balanced. And life gets out of whack. It's amazing what you can do with a little toy, isn't it? So in Him we live, in Him we move, and in Him, Paul says, we have our being. And that statement raises the question, is my life just for this time on this earth? Is my life just for the 70, 80, whatever years I might have on this earth, or is there something more? His word tells us there's something more. There's something so much more. In fact, his word tells us that the life we live here isn't the most important part. It isn't the most meaningful part. It isn't anywhere close to being the biggest part. This is just the beginning so many people don't realize that they don't have that perspective they see their years on this earth as all there is and that's what our world teaches us doesn't it you're here by accident and then when you die you vanish from existence there is nothing else so you need to make the most of your time here because it's all you got that's not what God's word says The perspective we get from God's word is that in him we have our being and that being was created by one who is eternal to be eternal with him. Back in Genesis when it says God created us in his likeness, in his image, that means we were created to be with him forever. And he put that spark within us. We call it a soul. We call it a spirit. And when we connect that with him, It lives forever. This world is not the most important part. And if we live as if it is, we're going to miss out on the most important part. Imagine buying a book and reading the preface, the foreword, the introduction, and then closing it up and say, well, read that book. Didn't make a whole lot of sense. I didn't get a whole lot out of it. <laughs> but I read it. You, know, you never really read the book. All you did was read the introductory part of the book that was supposed to get you motivated to read the rest of the book. And that's what so many people do. Imagine going to a movie, buying your ticket, getting your popcorn and your drink, settling down in your seat and watching those seemingly endless previews. Preview after preview after preview. I used to laugh because every once in a while, Sue and I would be at the movie, and she'd lean over after a while and say, what did we come to see? You know, it seems like it's been so long, I don't even remember. But imagine doing that, buying your popcorn, buying your ticket, going to the movie, sitting down, watching all those previews, and then get up and say, well, that's done, and walk out. Somebody asked you about the movie and go, well, it didn't make much sense. You know, it seemed like there were just a whole lot of characters and they really didn't relate to each other. And, uh, you know, at one point it was a romance and then it turned into an action movie and then it was about the, his- the history and then it was about the future and it was real life and it was science fiction. I got confused. That movie just was all messed up. But you never saw the feature presentation as they call it. All you saw were previews. And people who seek to live their life from day to day ignoring the fact that in Him we live in Him we move and in Him we have our being they missed the feature presentation. They live the preview. Don't do that. Don't do that. Take the perspective that God gives us on our life. Live each day in light of that perspective. In Him, we live. In Him, we move. In Him, we have our being. And that being is eternal in Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for giving us this perspective in your word, for helping us to understand that the way we view our life determines the way we live our life. If we let the world dictate our perspective, our life will be lived poorly, and we will leave behind little of value for anyone else to follow. But if we live our life by your perspective... If we live our life knowing that we belong to you and that our life is meant to be lived for you and that someday this life will go on with you in heaven, then we will live a life that matters. We will live a life that leaves a legacy of faith behind that others can follow because we followed you. Father, I pray that you bless each of us with this perspective.
1: sorrow Be washed away In the waves of his mercy Dip in three cries